Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, Believe in Music, day four. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, they saved the best for last. Uh, this will be the last of our during uh, live events, but uh, appreciate you coming in. Today, we're going to uh, be taking apart a banjo and kind of discussing what each part does to make the banjo as a whole uh, one of the greatest instruments out there. So uh, I'm Chad Kapotic, for those of you who haven't seen any of the videos I've been on. Um, Vice President of Operations and been working here for 24 years making these lovely instruments. So uh, without any further ado, I guess we'll jump right into it. <clears throat> uh, we're gonna be starting with kind of one of our bigger movers, the uh, Sierra Mahogany Banjo. It's all around fantastic five string banjo, uh, which is what most people think of when they think of banjos is the five string. We do make everything from a four string to a six string, uh, up to a 12 string. So uh, the number of strings don't matter. What matters is the banjo and, and you having fun playing it. So uh, we'll start by taking the strings off. Or actually, no, we'll start by taking the resonator off. How about that? Sounds like a good way to go. <clears throat> the resonator is what's on the back of the banjo um, when it's not open back banjo. This resonator was added back in the early 1900s as a way to make the banjo louder for the audience listening because it was very difficult to uh, amplify the banjo back then. Uh, microphones weren't very good. You'd get a lot of feedback. <clears throat> and because of that, banjos kind of started getting lost in the, uh, in the, um, in the mix. And so they added this bowl to the back of the banjo, which is held on with four little screws. And then you just lift the banjo right out there of the resonator. So the resonator has a nice curved back. I believe it's about a 14 foot radius on the back here. This um, arch in the back helps project the sound from inside the drum out. And the reason we don't like it flat in there is because what happens is those notes come straight down, bounce straight back into the head, cause a lot of weird overtones and sounds that you don't necessarily want there. There are some older banjos that do have a flat back, uh, but here at Daring, all of our resonators do come with the uh, radius to the back. Um, the, band, uh, the resonator itself is made out of three plies of violin grade soft maple on the sides, and the back is uh, laminated um, minimum of three plies of, um, oh man, sorry, going blank. Uh, <laughs> the back veneer to match the neck on this one in particular is mahogany. And then we have poplar or maple inside, uh, depending on the model that it's going on. So that's a little bit about the resonator. So the resonator off leaves us more or less with an open back banjo. Um, and the open back before the resonator was around was the much more popular model. So now we'll take the strings off. We're using uh, GHS uh, brand strings now for our daring banjos. They make a wonderful, wonderful banjo string. And we have a bunch of different gauges for whatever sound you're after uh, available on our website. Um, once I loosen the strings, I pulled off the bridge. The bridge here is what we're calling the gearing smile bridge. The reason we call it a smile is the bottom of the feet here have a slight radius to it. That radius matches the sag in the drum head from the pressure of the strings. And what that does is allows for all five strings to get much more even tone and volume uh, across all of the strings. Um, it also helps the bridge last a lot longer. <clears throat> if your bridge had, uh, like ours did previous to the smile, uh, a flat bottom, what ends up happening over time is the bridge sags down into the dip in the head, causing the top where the strings pass over to dip as well. And then as you're playing, your G string kind of gets below the other strings, makes uh, getting your fingers in there a little more difficult. 
But one of the greatest things it did was really even out the string tone and volume and response. Uh, great bridge. Put that down there. <clears throat> now I'm gonna remove the tailpiece. It's a little quarter inch nut back here. On some models, it's a 932nd uh, nut. It all depends on what kind of hooks we uh, install on the banjo. We like the nut on the tailpiece here to match the same size as our hook nut. So that way you don't need multiple wrenches to do your adjustments. Back that little nut off. Now this is the Deering True Tone fully adjustable tailpiece that I'm taking off. Strings out the way there. <clears throat> uh, the reason it's uh, fully adjustable is because it has this little hinge piece here. This hinge allows the angle of the uh, tailpiece to be changed in relation to the, the head as well as to the break of the strings off the back of the bridge. Um, for a much sharper response, you want a much steeper angle so that the, the bridge is held down a little firmer on the head. Um, and that's done with this little screw in the back here by moving it in and out. If you like a much warmer kind of response, more um, mellow sound and a little more uh, sustained to your notes, you can back that angle off and have a little bit less of a sharp angle coming off the back of the bridge. Really kind of opens up uh, some of the uh, more melodic sound of the banjo. But again, all these uh, adjustments really come down to what you want as a player, what you're after in your sound. And so it's important to kind of fiddle with it as you're trying to find your sound to uh, really dial it in. That's our tailpiece. So now I'm gonna remove the neck from the drum assembly here. And that's done with these two rods back here. They hold the neck on. They also add a bit of stability and a small amount of adjustment um, to the neck. Um, here, so the way we remove those is with a half inch wrench. I'm gonna back the nuts off on the inside here. Let's remove the outside one there. So what this does is it frees up our coordinator rod. Now our coordinator rods have two holes in it for tightening. I use a small Allen wrench that fits inside that hole to loosen those. Now, when you have this put back together, you want this to be snug. You don't want to tighten it like you're tightening the wood nut on a car or anything where you're crushing that washer all the way through the rim. Just snug enough that the uh, neck isn't going to go anywhere, but that it's also not just loose and floating. And we'll back the second one off. To get this second one off, there's no through hole, so I can't pull it all the way through the pot. So I kind of have to pull the neck away from the drum as I'm doing that. Set it down so I don't drop things. So now we have the neck separate from the, uh, from the drum here. Oh, that almost turned bad. Put these down here. We'll talk a little bit about the neck now. The neck on a five-string banjo uh, on the upper line gearing models uh, comes with a separate fingerboard. These are ebony on the uh, uh, Sierra here. We do have um, Midnight Maple available on some of our newer models, uh, which is a really cool uh, impregnated dye maple fingerboard, which gives this really beautiful charcoal gray appearance. But it serves the same function as this fingerboard. Um, which is to outlast the frets, basically. We want a harder material here than the fret wire so that you're not wearing out your fingerboard while you're playing. The frets are made up of a nickel silver alloy that we have made for us. Uh, each uh, standard five string neck comes with 22 frets. We do make a couple models now that have 24 frets, a full two octaves with an overhanging fingerboard, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, Inside our neck, underneath this lovely cap here, is what's called the truss rod. 
The truss rod is a rod that runs basically from the nut almost to the complete end of the neck. And that rod helps adjust uh, what we call relief. Relief is a small amount of bow that's put in these fingerboards. And that allows the um, strings to pass over the middle of the fingerboard without buzzing. It's important on uh, stringed instruments that there's just a little bit of bow uh, in the fingerboard to allow for close action up here while you're playing and to minimize the amount of buzzing that would cause down here. Um, so inside this pocket is a quarter inch brass nut. Uh, adjusting that nut a little bit at a time, either loosening or tightening, is what allows more or less relief in the neck. <clears throat> so that's what the truss rod there does. Um, on most of our daring models, we have what's called planetary tuners. Planetary tuners uh, give the very traditional look of just a through peg, like the old school pre-geared tuners were on violins and stuff like that, where they just basically stick a stick through a hole, wind a string around it and had friction hold it together. Inside the planetary tuner, and the reason it's called the planetary tuner is what's called the planetary gear set. So coming off of this knob here is just a single gear and that's called the sun gear. It sits in the middle. And then outside that are three little tiny planetary gears. And that gives you a little bit of a gear reduction. So you're not a straight one-to-one -one ratio on the turn. This allows for a two-to-one ratio on the turn. And it's important. Um, I grabbed the wrong wrench. Uh, I won't take them off. But it's important to uh, every once in a while check these nuts on the front on the side of your peghead. Make sure they're snug. It's a 7 16 nut. Um, because they can loosen up. If you are having a problem with these tuners slipping at all, to where you get your note up to pitch and then it slowly backs itself off, you can tighten this screw back here a little bit uh, and it helps snug everything back up. You want a little bit of tight feeling, uh, even without the screw, uh, string on, and that helps give you a more accurate tuning. Some of our models do come with a uh, guitar style tuner which is a worm-driven tuner. And that gives you a much uh, longer ratio. It's about a 12 or 14 to one. Um, so you have to turn the knob quite a bit more to get a full revolution, but it can allow for a little finer tuning adjustment. And really it's up to uh, the player's preferences to what they prefer. Now this little tuner on the side, the fifth string tuner um, or the drone string tuner, is just held in with a bit, of, a little bit of super glue and some friction in a tapered hole that's drilled into the side of the neck. The reason we don't want to permanently attach this tuner into the neck, uh, and I get this question quite often, so why don't you epoxy that in or do something uh, much more permanent, is because <clears throat> as you play your banjo, you start wearing out the fret wire here and we need to be able to have clean access to the whole fingerboard surface when we do a fret repair or replacement. And leaving this in the way would be just really difficult to work around. So we wanna be able to remove it um, with a little bit of work. And we kind of bang it around a little bit and then yank it out. Um, if it ever does fall out and it can happen, um, just a little, little tiny spot of uh, super glue uh, gel, preferably not the really thin stuff on the splines of that tuner. And you just firmly seat it back in there and let it sit overnight before putting a st new string back on it. Um, so that glue has time to really set up. It'll help hold that tuner in place. The neck is held on with what we call hanger bolts. These two bolts here are fine thread on the outside, but they're coarse thread that goes into the heel here. We like to sink them in at a little bit of an angle and then straighten them out. That little bit of an angle, as you tighten the, uh, the coordinator rod, if we put it straight in, would pretty much pull straight back out. So when we sink it at a little bit of an angle and then we straighten that 
back out, um, the, the coordinated rod would have to pull at an angle and it doesn't. So it helps for a much firmer attachment uh, to the neck. Some people are afraid to take these off when they're doing a, like a head change or something. Um, I prefer to take my, the neck off because it just gets it out of the way a little less to uh, worry about. And they go right back on where they should 99.9% uh, .9 of the time. <laughs> so that's about the uh, basics of the uh, five string neck. Um, four strings and six strings are pretty much the same overall construction as far as having a truss rod, separate fingerboard. Most of the six strings, um, with rare exception, get the guitar style tuners because guitar players are playing them. Um, we have had a few uh, requests for planetary tuners on the six string, which is pretty cool. Gives it a really cool look. So that's the neck. Now comes the real fun part, which is the drum. This is really what makes the banjo a banjo. If you have one of these, you're playing a banjo. I don't care what kind of neck's on it, how many strings it has. If it contains the drum, it's banjo. Um, this one in particular uh, has all the goodies on it. So first we have the uh, armrest that we'll remove. Uh, our daring armrests are uh, made out of steel to allow a less response than brass. Brass gives you a little bit more response from the armrest. Um, frequency-wise as you're playing. And last thing you want is your armrest making noise. You'd rather have the strings and the drum making the noise. It's held on with a little quarter-inch uh, screw here. This screw, when you're attaching it, doesn't need to be as tight as you possibly can get it. It just needs to be tight enough that the armrest isn't gonna slide around. When these leave the factory, we like this armrest making much contact with the tension hoop as possible. Um, that also helps take away any uh, movement with the uh, strings and the, and the notes. <clears throat> Banjos, everything kind of moves and everything needs uh, constant, not constant, but it needs attention um, to keep it all playing as well as it can. Um, one of the biggest adjustments is this head. It's a Mylar head. Um, that we have made for us by Remo. Um, great, great product. Um, most of our banjos go out with what's called a frosted top head. And when you see this white and you feel it, you can kind of hear that rough uh, feeling. That's the most common head we use. We have a bunch of different heads that allow for a ton of different uh, range of tone and sound and response. Um, and it's another thing that can be added to the arsenal of banjo sound and to help really dial in what you're looking for out of your banjo. Now this head does loosen up from the vibration of playing. Um, and as that happens, it needs to be retightened. And that's done with these hooks on the side. We call these round hooks because they're hooks and they're round. Um, and they go through what's called the flange here on some models, they go through a little L shoe that's screwed through the side of the rim. Um, and that holds this head snug down over the tone ring. And that's when you look underneath, you'll see this nice shiny metal. That's called the tone ring. We'll get to that in a little bit as I take the head off. There's 24 of these round hooks holding this tension hoop on, which is applying tension to the head. So we'll slowly start taking those off. Again, a quarter inch nut. I like to overhang it on the table and slowly work my way around. Now, this is what concerns a lot of people when they get a banjo is messing with the drum assembly, tightening the head, loosening the head, replacing the head. And it's really not that crazy to try and do it by yourself. It just requires patience and some time. Um, we do have some tech videos on the Deering website that kind of walk you through head adjustment, truss rod adjustment, 
uh, how to change your strings and stuff like that. Um, where we kind of try and slowly break it down. If you do ever get super stuck, uh, feel free to give us a call, shoot us an email. We have a great team here that'll help walk you through that stuff. And if it gets it way over your head or uh, too much to handle, you can send in the bucket of parts. We'll put it back together and get it playing right for you. We have an excellent repair guy in the house, uh, as well as a couple other guys that know a little bit about banjo. That'll help you out. So almost halfway through, getting there. Andros do have a lot of moving parts, so it's important to understand what they all do. When tightening your head, you wanna make sure that it's more on a feel thing than an actual measurable, uh, like torque setting or using a drum dial. What we found is drum dials just aren't that accurate when it comes to a small diameter a drum like this. Um, I put a drum dial on for a customer that came in a few years ago because uh, he was very concerned about the setting. And I showed him we had about a three notes swing, full notes uh, before the drum dial registered anything. I took it from an F all the way up to an A. The drum dial didn't move at all. So um, small amounts of movement and, and tension make a huge difference on the uh, difference on the banjo head. So it's really important as you're looking for your sound, just to make small adjustment, play it, see what that did, and really kind of start uh, understanding what, what little adjustments can make in the overall playability and sound of the banjo. All right, four left. On the good times, there's only 16 uh, hooks instead of the full 24. I've seen some crazy banjos out there that have 32 because the more hooks, the better, I guess. I don't know. But uh, Greg Deering settled on 24 as the perfect number. It seems to work really well. All right, last one. Let me set these all out the way so I don't go kicking these around. Okay, now we get to the fun stuff, the rim. Uh, so there are a bunch of different names for this assembly. There's the pot, there's the drum, there's the rim. Um, I like to call it the pot because uh, back before the drums were a, a standard item, they needed anything round that they could stretch an animal skin over. And most round things they had laying around were pots. And so, just kind of a cool little piece of history on the banjo there. Um, so this is what we call a notch tension hoop. This is made out of uh, brass. We do all that in the house. Um, then we notch them here and it's nickel plated. The whole uh, purpose of this is just to add a nice even tension to the, uh, the head itself. Um, has a little, little weight to it, not too much. Overall, this Sierra weighs in, I think, around 12, 13 pounds uh, as a whole, which is why when you see most banjo players, they're standing still playing because they don't want to throw their back out. <laughs> Much kudos to those guys out there jumping around with these things around their neck. <laughs> Impressive. Uh, so here's the head. Comes right off of the old tone ring there. Uh, this head is a crimped style head. Uh, these uh, we added to our line as a crimp style on the frosted top, um, probably close to 10 years ago now. Um, it gives a much better, longer life to the head than what was uh, what we were using before, which is an, a glued-in head, where the edge of the head is actually glued into this rail. Now it's crimped and rolled into this rail, and as you tighten it, it really holds that head in place. Um, gives you a little bit longer on the tension before it needs adjustment. So all of our uh, Deering models take a medium crown head and our good time models take a high crown head. And what that means is the distance from the bottom here to here, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, uh, is a set distance. Uh, 
and the medium crown is a little shallower than the high crown uh, to allow for the notch tension hoop to sit a little above the uh, head here. All right, so under the head, we have the flange. Flange slips off of the pot there. Whole purpose of the flange is to do two things. First is to hold the hooks in place and give you something to tighten against. Um, second thing it does is it suspends the resonator off of the back of the uh, rim assembly here. Um, you don't want the resonator too close because it chokes a lot of the sound off. You don't want it too far because it kind of gives an echo to your note. So we have it uh, dialed to a specific amount that the resonator sits away from the uh, rim. Um, there are different ways of moving that around um, with some of our other models, like on the Tenbrooks that have a floating resonator where it doesn't attach directly to the flange, it has little L brackets that are screwed to the side of the rim, put the uh, resonator a little further away, and it does kind of give it a little broader range of sound, a little, little more mellow tone. Um, this is made out of zinc. Uh, we don't cast these in-house. As much fun as it would be to have a foundry. Um, but we do all the machining here. Um, and this, again, has some substance to it. So most of the weight of the banjo is all packed into this little 14 inches of fun here called the, called the drum. Set that aside. Now, oh, what do we got? It's being nice today. The, uh, the wood underneath here isn't completely sealed. We only seal what's not sitting underneath the uh, tone ring here. I want the tone ring to make contact with bare wood. We find it makes a much better response overall. Um, and with the rim not being completely sealed, it is um, subject to different um, humidities and temperatures. So it does have a little swell or a little shrink depending on what's going on. Um, so you can find it fits a little different from one day to the next if you were to strip everything down and take it apart. These rims here, we do make completely in-house. Uh, we have a really cool steam bending setup. Uh, we're using three plies of violin grade soft maple. Um, and these here have, um, have a tapered uh, joint um, to allow for a much broader glue surface uh, helps keep everything a bit bit tighter, and it's the uh, more traditional way to make these rims. Over there. And finally, the good stuff, the tone ring. This is the Deering uh, 06 uh, Bell Bronze tone ring. These um, all have 20 holes in them to allow for the air underneath to kind of move around. Not all tone rings uh, previous to, to 2006 had the 20 holes. We did have some that were solid all the way around. And they were a bit different geometry, uh, overall shape, weight, and stuff. Uh, our good buddy, Jens Kruger, really kind of helped us dial in with Greg getting this configuration, which kind of opened up along with the violin uh, soft maple, of Allen grade soft maple, opened up a lot of the mid-range of the banjo that wasn't available previous. Um, it was very uh, much more bluegrass oriented, where it was a lot sharper uh, note. And um, we at Deering believe banjo belongs everywhere. So uh, Jens helped us redesign this. Um, this is a centrifugally forged uh, piece of bronze. And what that means, uh, as opposed to sand casting, is there's no voids inside the casting. It's all very solid and consistent. And that's what allows us to really get one banjo sounding as close to the next banjo as, you, as we can, um, which allows for you to have three different banjos. And depending on how they're set up, you get three different sounds with you know, different woods, different heads and, and everything. Um, this is probably the heaviest thing on the entire banjo. This comes in at about three pounds, three and a half pounds. Um, so it's pretty substance uh, driven. 
what uh, what Greg and Yance were doing, walking around, giving it a ding to everybody. Said, huh? What do you think? That's cool. <laughs> See how long it rang, and if you hold it up to your ear, give it a little ding. It rings for a long time. Um, but that is, in a nutshell, pretty much the entire anatomy of banjo. Um, Very nice work, Chad. Thank I hope everybody you, can hear me. I'm, I'm looking in the background here monitoring the chat room. Um, That's our good buddy, Jamie Laddie. Yeah, I decided <laughs> to stay off camera today, but uh, here we go. Um, one question, and, and maybe we, we're, we're at the half hour mark. Okay. Um, we can go a little longer. I don't want to ask you to completely reassemble it, but could we get it back to a point where we reattach the neck and, and demonstrate that part? We don't need to do the armrest necessarily. <coughs> Okay. Could, could we could we reverse that just a let's, little? Let's see what happens. Yeah, you feeling yeah. confident? Well, I do have one question um, regarding uh, how does the coordinator rod, specifically the one closest to the head, mm -hmm. how does he said how does it sit at the drum? I think what he means is once it's attached to the hanger bolt, how does mm -hmm. it attach at the other end? And I think right there's a uh, <clears throat> there is a hole, a second hole uh, here. For, for for that rod to sit in. And it does have a nut that you, once you have it firmly attached to the next side, you want to also firmly kind of press it into the rim there. Adds a bit of stability to the overall drum construction. Um, and it's one of the last things that gets adjusted because it can move things a little bit, but it's not what, uh, what should be used to make any adjustments. It's just there to kind of firm everything up. All right, so we're going to do a marathon, put this back together. Just a, just a rough one. And yeah. I wonder, Lacey, it might be worth you, um, you might be pulling everything forward and, and, and clone in on that one while we, while we do that. You good? So um, go. while reassembling these, if I was to take this apart as a uh, someone who doesn't, hasn't done this several tens of thousands of times. Uh, I would have made a bunch of marks as to where everything is supposed to line up and go back together. Um, as you do it a few times, kind of understand what needs to line up where. And it all does matter. Uh, make sure it goes back the way it came apart so that uh, it plays well for you. If something's a little out of whack, your strings could hang off one side of the fingerboard. Uh, your action could be either too high, too low. So it's... Just so everybody knows, Chad's gonna shout at me after this for making him do this. Yeah, yeah. Someone, he, someone mentioned just taking the banjo apart, not putting it back together. So, oh, there's, there's, there's been some questions. <laughs> trying to serve the, uh, the the audience at large. Hey, customers are the boss. So Absolutely. Do what they say. Couldn't agree with you more. Which is one reason we have so many different models and uh, configurations available, is because uh, no one banjo is perfect for every banjo player. And I'm pretty sure that that rule goes for everybody in the guitar market as well. This is true. You mentioned earlier on, um, you know, the, the the process. Am I right in saying, for the sake of everybody at home, the process is going to be largely the same regardless of whether it's a tenor or even whether it's a good time or an upper line. It's the same. I know some of the specs can be different. The flange on an right. eagle, you know, for example, is different from the flange on a on a Sierra, but essentially the processes and the steps taken are gonna be the same. Yeah, this, the idea of the overall construction is the same. It, it, it all kind of functions the same. Um, I may mention that the Good Time had uh, a few less hooks and nuts. Um, really, that's just to save a little bit on cost uh, that we can pass along to our customers. Um, it does make them a little warmer sounding than you can get with the uh, Deering line or the Tenbrooks line. Um, because it doesn't have the substance uh, that the uh, those upper line models have. But it all works basically the same. The good time overall is a very 
easy to play, easy to adjust banjo. Um, and the amazing thing is on those, uh, if you don't have the tone ring, they're coming in only about four, four to six pounds, which is uh, quite a bit less than um, this full-on Sierra model. Okay, so while you're uh, while you're doing that, we've got some more questions here. Chad, are you ready? Yeah, hit me. All right. Uh, great information about the bridge. Are compensated bridges ideal or not really needed? Uh, I would say almost 100% of our banjos go out with a non-compensated bridge on them. Um, really, the compensation is there mainly for the, uh, the middle string. The, the G string uh, tends to be a little flat. Sorry, a little sharp compared to the other strings. Um, and if that is bothering your, your playing, then get a compensated bridge, 100%. If you can't, I don't wanna say tell the difference, but if it's not uh, driving you crazy, um, then an uncompensated bridge is just fine for you. It's all part of the, uh, the beauty of the banjo. <laughs> so it comes down to what, what you're playing and, and what you're hearing and not um, anyone else's opinion. It's like a, any musical instrument scene I've been around. There's, yeah. there's always, there's definitely trains of thought or schools of thought uh, right. with reference to, to certain specific things that, that make or break the tone and then other people just don't care. Pick up, yeah. pick up some electric guitars is a big one. You know? Right. Yeah, it's like asking, uh, going, going to a jam session and asking anybody what their favorite favorite string is, and then listening to the arguments ensue uh, over. Well, I like GHS. Well, I like Dunlop. Well, I only play Elixirs. Those are the best. Yeah. You know, again, it's, it's a million different ways to uh, to make music, and uh, none of them are a hundred percent right. That, that's I was going to say. That the one thing that we come up against with all the questions that we do receive in, in customer service is. Um, most of the answers, unfortunately, are vague and they're subjective. <laughs> because at the end of the day, what what you think might work might not work for the next guy. And right. That's the same across musical instruments. So if it works for you, go for it. If it doesn't yeah. work for you, try something else. You know, and that's the, kind of one of the joys of banjo as well is that it's a lot easier to switch things out. Like if mm -hmm. you want to try a different height bridge, or you want to try different strings, or different you know different drum uh, head. That's a hell of a lot easier than, than replacing a guitar top you know, <laughs> or anything of that nature. I, so. I will say, uh, having made a few electric guitars and stuff, switching a bridge or, or a head is a lot easier than rewiring pickups. Yes, sir. <laughs> so. All right, next question. Uh, this is, I've never been asked this before. Does, um, well, the question is, why does wrist pressure on the armrest affect the tone of the banjo? My question is going to be, is does it? I've never, it, never really heard that. It shouldn't. Um, from anything I could think of. That's the whole purpose of the armrest is to keep your arm off of the drum head. Now, if, you're, if your tension hoop is starting to go below the level of the head and then your armrest is making contact with the head, um, that can drastically affect the sound. Uh, and, and that's where too much wrist, pre wrist pressure starts uh, muddying the response of the head because you're, you're, you're restricting the movement. You want everything off of the head uh, that would restrict the movement except the strings. You want the strings to move the bridge, the bridge to move the head, so you get your purest response uh, possible. Anything that gets in the way of that starts really restricting the notes you're playing and, and how they sound. So um, if your, your tension hoop is below the head and your armrest is hitting the head, try to get your armrest up off of the head, even if it's not making uh, contact with the top of the tension hoop. Good, very good. Um, in that same vein, does the armrest need to be pulled up off the tension hoop so not to affect the tone? Uh, I think you said earlier on, that when we send them out, we try and get them in contact with. Right, and I'll drop the armrest on and show you why. It's a real quick demonstration of what okay. having the armrest floating allows. Okay. Um, 
Now, that being said, it is adjustable to help, you know, your own ergonomics of your wrist angle while you're playing. If you need your forearm a little higher, bring it up off the head um, to, to get you more comfortable. That's why it's there. So that's really loose, but we're just putting it kind of roughly back together. Great. Doesn't everybody agree that Chad, Chad's doing a tremendous job right now? So we love you, Chad. Love you, love you guys too. Appreciate everyone being here. So we'll stick the armrest on. And we can get a little closer on that or not. I'm gonna float it above the tension hoop real quick. As high up as it'll go. Now you can see that it's not making contact with anything underneath it. It's just being held up on the hooks here. Now, if we give it a whack, I don't know if you can hear that very well, but you get this ringing thunk kind of sound. Let me show you what happens when we suck it down against the tension hoop. So I'm pressing down pretty firm while I'm tightening that, that screw here. Now you can see it's down touching the tension hoop here, right? Now, it's dead. And really what we're after is again, getting most of our responsive notes out of the strings and the head uh, and, and the pot assembly unrestricted. This floating and the reason we switched from brass, we used to make these out of brass to steel, is steel is a deader material. It doesn't vibrate as well uh, in response to these high notes. And we didn't want the armrest to, to interfere, add anything to uh, the banjo playing that you didn't want there. And so that's why we suck it down and get it as tight as we can against the tension hoop. Um, but again, if ergonomically you need it a little taller, uh, don't hesitate. Uh, the beauty of the adjustability of a banjo is it can really be dialed in super individually um, to make playing um, as comfortable and as fun as possible for whoever's sitting behind it. And hopefully fun for those that are sitting in front of it, listening to it. As Greg likes to say, the only way you're playing the banjo wrong is if you're not playing it with a smile. So. All right, so now we're at the point the neck can go back on. Hopefully I have things pretty lined up here. So the neck slips back into those holes. Now we're gonna add our coordinator rods. So first one to go in is the short guy up by the drum head. It slips into the hole. I'm gonna bump that neck out. And then we'll slowly get it on there. I don't make anything super tight right now until I get it mostly put together and then we'll do some final tweaking. And it spins on there. Now I'll take my little Allen wrench. We'll snug up this one closest to the head and then check our alignment. I like to check at the end of the fingerboard here, just level with the top of the head. Not level, sorry, parallel. It should be sitting a little above the head. That's pretty good. So now I'll snug everything else up. Get that a little extra. Add a little extra. And then initially, I just like to make these finger tight until I do my final setup with the strings on. Loose. All right. Now we'll add the tailpiece back. As you do move these around, make sure you're uh, gentle with them. They have feelings too. Now you don't want to be uh, banging, the, banging the banjo around too much. Start denting things and everything. Initially, I have this tailpiece just snug down against the uh, top of the tension hoop. Much like the armrest, if it floats above and we give it some tapping, it gets a woo-woo-woo kind of droney sound to it. 
tighter it is against the tension hoop, um, as long as it's making good contact, it kind of kills that response. Ooh, let's see if I can pick out which string is which. I think uh, that, that definitely covered the, uh, is that I, I, wanted, I wanted to see that there's a core okay. parts of, of that. There was a couple of questions like coordinated rods and up. stuff. Right. No, I'm not going to force you to do that with, oh, with, uh, with old U strings. And I think that would be mean and, and harsh. <laughs> I uh, can do it. I just <laughs> want you to know. We had a couple of questions on, um, we've got like maybe 15 minutes left, mm -hmm. but um, head tension. Yes. Uh, you have mentioned that drum dials are largely inaccurate. Um, on a small drum head. Yes. So can you give an idea of the indicators uh, of, of what, the, what, what, a, what a player would be looking for? Now, sure. We've done this a few times. There's a number of videos that we've made on, yeah. on, on listening for the, for the head. Yeah, this took, uh, in all honesty, a few years uh, of being here, dealing with banjos before my ears could really understand what it was listening for. Um, and a lot of that was uh, helped uh, develop uh, with with Greg uh, being very patient, and with Jens uh, Kruger walking around thumping a drum head, going, "You hear that? You understand?" So um, I like to give it a, th a th whack with my thumb, and if you hear that after my initial hit. Is just this kind of woo, woo, woo. It's very hollow sounding. And what that means is when you're playing this, the head's a little loose. And when you're playing, it's not necessarily a bad thing. If you're looking for that kind of more old timey kind of sound where it's a lot mellower, the notes are a little softer and not quite as crisp and brilliant, um, and there's nothing wrong with that, you want a little bit looser head. But if you're, you know, going after the bluegrass style, um, where notes need to be in the note without a whole lot of overtones following them. We want a much tighter head. We like to tighten our heads up to uh, a G, G sharp um, response. And that takes a while to understand listening. Um, Jens would strum the middle G string and whack the head. And you listen for the note after the whack um, that comes out of the head. And after a bunch of times of doing that, you can start to hear it. Oh, I'll go around and tighten this up a little bit. Um, now, in the 24 years I've been here, I have put together, I would probably be in the neighborhood of 20, 30,000 banjos, you know, in that time. Now, overall, Daring has made uh, well over 100,000 banjos at this point. I was the first full-time employee to make the Good Time Banjo. So I've been here since 1996 when those went online and uh, kind of changed the face of gearing and what's available on the market for a really good American-made banjo as a beginner instrument. So I do have a kind of a feel that I'm going for when I'm tightening this, and that's just from experience. But when you initially do this, you want to make sure they all just kind of feel the same tension. You don't want to get crazy on the tightening because you prematurely stretch your head out and have to replace it, um, which is one of the dangers I've seen with like torque wrenches and stuff is because the torque readings, even though they should technically be the same, aren't necessarily. So now you hear that, it's crisp. There's not a lot of hollowness following it, right? That's about a G right there. When you hit that, and it's um, and it's clean, and there's no hum afterwards. That's about the tension we like to send them out as. Like I said, you know, I was putting the uh, putting together Tony Trishka's banjo, and he likes it down about an E, which is crazy low. And me being me, decided to tighten it up to the to the G and uh, then had to spend the next two hours trying to get it back to an E. So uh, it's, you know, again, it's one of those things nobody can tell you you're wrong um, as far as what your head tension is, unless you're going after a certain sound. And then it's one of those personalized settings. If it works for you, right? That makes the banjo beautiful. 
And presumably, like looking at the the, the string height, if the, if the if the head's starting to loosen, right. it's starting to sag, that bridge is going to start to sag a little exactly. bit too. And that's also a good indicator that it might be worth. How often, if, if someone was playing a few times a week, like practicing, yeah. how often do you think uh, you should be kind of looking out for that? Like, Once a month, I would go through and pull the resonator off and, and give it a quick tightening. Um, I, will, I will say when I was doing a repair work a number of years ago, I would constantly get banjos in, people saying it's just not sounding good. It's not sounding right. It's not playing as well as it used to. My intonation is off. Um, two two minutes of head adjustment, I'd bring it back to them and it'd be like, oh my God, it's a whole new banjo. What did you do to it? And it's like, got to keep the head tight. Yeah. Um, so if it's just sounding muddy and, and not pleasant to you and your playing is suffering from that, just give it a little tighten. Again, an eighth to a quarter turn actually goes a long way when adjusting an already played in head. So just take it slow. Work your way around a couple of times, make sure it's even. It should bring everything back. It's it's amazing what that does. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I think that's about all. Yeah. Let me just double check that we've got all no right. other questions hanging around. I think, well, hopefully uh, next year we get to see everybody at NAM. Uh, we really appreciate everybody participating in the Believe in Music Week. Um, this is really cool to uh, to be able to still contact everybody out there and. Uh, spread the word of music because it's uh, really what helps the world go around. So certainly is. And uh, thank you, Chad. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. That was a lot of fun. And we'll see you in 20. Oh my word. 2022. <laughs> yeah. And really thanks a lot to Lacey behind the uh, yep. movable camera. Say hi, Lacey. No shots for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> she says no, she's not going to say hi. <laughs> All right. Very cool. Thank you guys. Enjoy the rest of the show. Um, yeah. And we look forward to continuing these. Please stay safe. Please stay healthy. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, Any questions come up, please contact us. We're here to help. DearingBanjos.com yes. or info at DearingBanjos.com. And uh, one of our guys will help you out. Yep. All right. Thanks, Chad. Thank you. Have a good one. See you next time. <laughs>